Hello, I'm Arianna Raji Lee, founder of Pasha Mama, and welcome to our conversation, In Conversation, the podcast where I speak to women's health practitioners, baby and toddler experts, mamas and mums-to-be, to find out about what they do and how their story can support you through modern motherhood. Let's get started, shall we? Hello, hello. I hope you are well and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Pasha Mama in Conversation. Today's episode is with Lavinia Brown, who is an inner child expert and a psychodynamic coach. Um, We go into exactly what that is on the episode. We discuss who or what your inner child is, as well as how you can heal your past and how you can start to recognize any unconscious uh, self-limiting beliefs. It's a really, really interesting conversation and, 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 a, and a slant of coaching that I've not really touched on previously. So um, personally, also just incredibly interested in it. Um, and Lavinia, really kind of supports mothers to stop feeling, I guess, emotions of sadness or anger or resentment by helping them to understand how their own past is affecting their present um, and how we can start to, I guess, clear some of that inherited emotional baggage, um, which sounds really heavy and it sounds incredibly messy, um, but it also, from this conversation, sounds incredibly necessary in order to heal that child within us um, for us to live a a more kind of fulfilled and balanced life and and she uses the term surrender which is really really powerful. Lavinia also talks about how motherhood is not only a journey into the type of parent you're going to be but also just in general initiation into who you are as a person and I totally totally agree with that sentiment in that you know, I've always been a believer, not always actually, I've certainly learned over this last year and a bit through the mothers of our community, how powerful having children can be and how much they they are our teachers as well as, as us wanting to impart wisdom on them. They, they come along and they can uncover some things or they can teach us about the way that we are as adults and help us progress and heal and grow and develop and it's a really really powerful thing this episode has definitely given me a lot of thinking to do a lot of extra reading that I want to kind of get on board with Um, but I think it's a really interesting and necessary part to understand how your past unconsciously is impacting your present Um, so yeah it's really really powerful I hope you enjoy our conversation. I have also shared Lavinia's details if you wanted to get in touch with her for for support with any of this. Um, All of her details are linked in the podcast show notes. But for now, sit back, enjoy and have a listen. Lavinia, hello, how are you? Lovely to meet you. Great to be here. I'm so excited that we're, we're talking. I feel as though it's been an, a while in the pipeline that we've tried to, that we've had this scheduled, and now it's here. Um, before we start, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? So I am a psychodynamic coach for mums, 
And what that means is that I'm a coach primarily, which means I'm always looking forward. I want to get my clients from where they are to where they want to be. That's the whole point. I'm not interested in talking about the same thing for a year and them still feeling the same. I want results and I'm I'm very proud of that actually. I'm, I'm quite ambitious on behalf of my clients. So I don't want to see them in a year. If I'm seeing them in a year, there's something wrong. So I'm a coach, I'm getting them to where they want to get to. But obviously if they're speaking to me, there's a reason that they're not where they want to be. So that's where the psychodynamic therapy comes in. And the way that I help them to get to where they want to get to is through looking at their childhoods. And the psychodynamic therapy is about understanding and exploring and healing your past. So understanding how your past is affecting your present, how the unconscious beliefs that you inherited when you were a child are playing out now, because they do. If you don't heal them, they will be controlling your life unconsciously. And so that's what we look at. All the stuff that basically is blocking you from being where you want to be. So that's why I'm a coach, but it's also psychodynamic therapy. So I feel like, I mean, what an introduction. Uh, <laughs> half an hour is certainly not going to be enough to cover everything, I don't think. But it's a really, really interesting topic and one that, you know, I've spoken to coaches previously, um, but one, but we, we've never really touched on, I've never heard of psychodynamic therapy and certainly not touched on in a child stuff, which is, is I assume a massive uh, task to unpick and tackle. Why, let's start with maybe a, ba a really basic, simple question. When you're, when you're talking about your inner child, what do you what do you mean by that? A really good question because it's you know it's not obvious. So your inner child is the energy of your inner child that we hold within us, along with the energy of our inner teenager or the energy of any stage at which we were challenged. So we hold that energy within us, whatever our age. When you could be eighty five, you've still got the energy of your inner child. Um, Quite a good example, actually, that I've never given before. It's just popped into my mind. You, your inner child is there all the time. You, you know when you suddenly think, oh, my God, this is so exciting. And you just feel like a child again. That's your inner child. That's the playful side. That's your magical child. So we all have this when we suddenly feel, I don't know, I love fairgrounds. So when I'm like about to go on like a ride, I'm like, oh, that's your inner child. So that's you, you can see that she's there. Where, why we want to heal our inner child is because when she's not feeling safe, that's the main thing. When she's not feeling safe, she will feel scared, anxious, terrified, disappointed, frustrated. So basically all your negative feelings, all of your negative feelings are your inner child, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. But I kind of want to let that sink in. Whenever you are feeling anxious or scared or fearful or disappointed or frustrated, that is not your wise woman. Your wise woman does not give a shit. She is like, I am me. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I take everything in my stride. Life is cool. You know, your wise woman is I don't know, some Buddhist nun. She, she's just, she is in control. She's got it. We can only have her in control of the show if our inner child is safe. 
So if our inner child isn't safe, she runs the show. So you can see just how ridiculously life transformational it is to make sure that your child feels safe. So why wouldn't your child feel safe? That's why you go back into your past. And the reason that we, your child might not feel safe is because your child may not have received the love, the attention, and most importantly, probably the validation that she needed. And what do I mean by validation? It's being herself. So if you needed to cry for an hour about losing your dolly or your teddy missing an arm or so-and-so being nasty to you at school or not liking broccoli, doesn't matter. If you needed to cry about that for half an hour, then you needed to do that. Most of us, however, weren't allowed to. So we may have been allowed to cry. Some of us weren't allowed to cry at all, but we may have been allowed to cry for a minute. And then it's like, right, that's enough now. Shh, right, shh, you're fine. So it's either being told that we're fine. It's being told that's enough of that display of emotion or being told that we're wrong. No, no, we don't do that in this family. We're happy, we're happy in this family. Oh, what do you want to eat? What should we do? Oh, look at your toy, distracting. So anything that's not allowing you to show your feelings in the way that you needed to feel them for as long as you needed to feel them. And most of our parents coming from that generation, which is partly an excuse, but also not, because they could have done the work, a lot of them didn't. But anyway, from that generation, they often didn't let us be that person. So that's why we didn't get the validation that thankfully our generation is much better at doing it at seeing what a child's going through and not saying, oh, that's uncomfortable, my child doing that, so I'll just stop it. And that's where we didn't get the validation. That's where our child doesn't feel safe. Sorry, that was a ridiculously long answer. It was. <laughs> does that make sense? It does make sense. And, and, and there's so much to sort of unpack there. Would you say that there's one single moment in your past that might have triggered something, or is it a buildup of smaller, more micro moments? For example, as you say, you know, you use the example of being distracted and not, not showing your emotions and your feelings. Is it a buildup of those distracted moments, or could it be something that it's a one-off that was you unknowingly to you now could have triggered something? much, 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 much bigger to impact you as an adult? That's a really good question. So in terms of trauma, so I'm also a certified, I always forget the name, trauma specialist, something like that. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember the name. Anyway, in terms of trauma, uh, there are big bad events, which are the one-offs that you've just mentioned, and there's chronic trauma. I don't talk about trauma because most people freak out when you say trauma. Like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I had a happy childhood. I went to private school. <laughs> I, we went on holidays abroad or we had food on the table. You know, they think, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not traumatized. Great. That's, That's ridiculous. I, I just want to <laughs> stop on that point. The fact that somebody said, you know, I went to private school is not a traumatic experience. I went to private school and I actually think... <laughs> 
it's probably had a series of trauma, chronic, chronic trauma, actually, in, in that habitat, um, one way or another. So. No, you're right. You're absolutely right in that as well. But I think, what, sorry, what I meant by that was um, people think that if they were materially okay, if they had a roof over their head, and if there was food on the table, right, then their, their childhood was happy. Right. It, it somehow it's very difficult for people to admit that there were ways in which their parents weren't there for them emotionally. So to go back to the trauma question, chronic trauma, and this is a form of trauma, but again, I don't call it trauma because that people are like, no, 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 I'm fine. I didn't, I wasn't abused. I wasn't hit. Yeah, wasn't trauma, abused. trauma sounds quite trauma heavy, sounds quite dark, quite, yeah. yeah. It sounds like sexual abuse, mm. uh, physical abuse. Trauma isn't just that. Trauma is chronic, so chronic means long-term, chronic exposure to emotional lack or emotional absence. And any it can be anything on that scale. So yes, it could be sexual abuse. It could be physical abuse. But most of us, thankfully, haven't had that. But we have been exposed to our parents arguing. A lot of my clients have been exposed to their parents sometimes fighting physically. And it's not even what they were exposed to. It's the fact that they felt responsible as children. That's the key thing. And if you keep feeling that you are responsible for your parents' moods or your parents' actions because your parents weren't consciously mm. trying to process them before basically foisting them onto you. So you saw the arguments, you heard the arguments, they didn't let you be yourself. It's this whole ball of, of basically not feeling safe and not being allowed to be yourself. You, you weren't allowed to create a connection to yourself because you were too busy looking after your parents. You, it was unconscious, you didn't realize this, but when we start to unpack people's childhoods, they're like, yeah, yeah, no, actually now that you say it, uh, I was quite scared of doing this, or I was I was a bit scared of my dad, or yeah, my dad used to shout a lot. And actually, now you say that, my mum was always telling me, you can do everything, you're great, you're amazing. That's a form of not being seen, because we're not perfect, we're not amazing all the time. And if your mother wasn't able to be there for you when you weren't being amazing, have to keep dragging you back into, you're happy, you're amazing. That's the trauma that I'm talking about. So interestingly, these, these big bad events, most people can heal themselves. So war, rape, even um, things, uh, you know, uh, being, um, was it attacked? A anything that is very, very traumatic. I'm not saying it's not traumatic, it's hugely traumatic, but we can usually process these ourselves. Um, where people need help, and this was me included, people need help when it's chronic. So it's your long-term exposure to not being allowed to be yourself, not being allowed for whatever reason. It, it probably wasn't conscious in your parents. So they just didn't give you the space to be yourself. And when that happens, neural pathways form like, oh, this is my life experience. This is, this is my belief system now because we, we create our belief systems based on our life experiences. And if you keep being shown that when you are sad or angry, you are either told off and punished or you're rejected or you're ignored, 
a lot of my clients' parents like gave them the cold treatment, or they just don't love you, they don't praise you in the way that you need to, you quickly learn, okay, I can't show those emotions. And then that becomes your belief system. And that's what I mean about stuff that in childhood affecting you as an adult. You may not be conscious of it, but if you, if part of you is like, I mustn't be angry, I must avoid conflict, mm. that's a huge part of your life that that's affecting because mm. that's what you learned when you were four or three. Yeah. Again, there's so much to unpack there. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, you, you're using, the examples that you're using are... I would say that there are certain things that seem more obvious than not. So for example, your parents constantly arguing in front of you, um, I totally understand that that will impact the child in terms of their kind of value, thinking that they're responsible, et cetera. Are there situations where the parents are doing something less obvious? So for example, I don't know, creating, insecurities around eating habits that you know every you know so many women that I speak to have eating or ha like eating habits that I know they don't want to they 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 hope not to pass on to their children right but because it's so ingrained in you as an adult it will it will be hard to not necessarily have your child pick up on certain things are there more subtle things rather than parents arguing that they could do in front of their child that will then impact their inner child later later on? Does that make sense? Yeah, like. yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. So um, an example from my childhood. So I was hugely praised for things I did. I was never told that I was loved, which is slightly apart. I mean, maybe that was hard for some of the generation above. No one ever told me they loved me. That's fine. Not fine, not fine. But the point of this example is that I was praised for getting good grades, for playing a musical instrument, for being a good girl. I was very polite. I, inverted commas, rose to the occasion. Whenever we had people around, I could be charming. Mm. So I was praised for that. And that became me, but that was the only side of me they ever saw. Mm. I wasn't, and I was never a teenager that slammed doors. I never did that. I, I was never, I never answered back. I was extremely polite, extremely well behaved. So is my brother. But can you imagine how stifling that is? That's not normal. That's normal. So going back to the eating, I developed an eating disorder. And I know that that was my way of coping with my frustration and my anger and my anxiety because it's hugely anxiety inducing if people are only seeing one side of you. So that becomes your mask and you're like, well, I can't be anything else. Mm. Because then I won't get loved, mm. I'll get rejected. And children can't live by themselves, obviously. Mm. They have to choose the family dynamic over who they are. So they have to choose attachment to the family dynamic over authenticity. And it doesn't matter what your family or cultural dynamic is. You could have grown up in a, in a religious household that goes to church every, every day, and that wasn't your bag. But you would have had to have chosen that as a child to avoid being you know, cast out in the street because you wouldn't have survived. So the child will do anything it can to fit in. So that dynamic, to give you another example, my parents were really judgmental and quite snobs actually and a bit racist 
if I think back to the dynamic at home, I didn't know that at the time because obviously everything's normal to you at the time. You, you don't know anything different. But when you're an adult, and especially when you have your own children, this stuff can come back up, which is why motherhood is always, I say, it's an initiation not only into being a mom, but also into the parts of you that you haven't integrated. So, you know, so I was ignored for who I was. Like when I became a coach, for example, well, I'll give you another example. I became a wine specialist. I've been a wine specialist on and off. I've written a book about wine. Um, Why did I do that? Well, I thought it's what I loved and it was. There was lots of bits of it that I loved. My dad's alcoholic (laughs) and my mom's French. So wine was always a part, eating, drinking was always a part of my life, very small. So that can be a good thing. But looking back, I know that I became a wine specialist because that was something my dad approved of. I needed to be approved of, so all unconscious. Mm. But so that's the way that food, enjoying wine, you wouldn't say that that was bad, but that changed who I was uh, in a way that's far, far less, far more subtle than my parents arguing. My parents never argued in front of me, but they never said sorry either, ever. So that's a big thing that really affected my belief system. Oh, and it's very confusing. So I'd see, or they'd they'd be angry with me or something. And then in the morning, nothing. Like like it hadn't happened. So as a child, I remember thinking, well, did that happen? Have I made it up? Am I okay? Are people still angry with me? It's very confusing. So the main thing is parents not being open and authentic with their feelings and just them not being themselves does that yeah. that answer your question yeah it definitely did and I, you know it's quite what you've said I think is is quite scary because you would think that praising your child is a positive thing and you want to you you know you want to tell them that they can succeed at anything and you want to praise them for doing well. But I guess it's also can, to a certain degree, to a certain extent, if they're only praised and not told that they're loved or that it's okay to fail or that, you know, whatever it is, if there's no balance to that, that it can have this sort of detrimental impact. And I think it's, it's so it's when when you say it, it seems so not obvious, but I can totally understand that constantly praising can lead to intense amount of pressure, which can lead to an eating disorder. I totally I totally see that those steps, which is why and, and why I say it's quite scary is because as a parent, you want to praise your child. So how how can mums or parents Find that. I was going to say, find yeah. that happy medium. Give the space. Give the give their children the space that they need to fill all of their bits. Being the good at stuff, being the bad at stuff, being the sad at stuff, being the happy at stuff. What's the way? What? How can parents essentially nurture their child so that when they grow up, their inner child is safe and content and things like that? Yeah. So I think it's really important to shift the focus because we've gone into parenting now. And it's really important to shift the focus back onto the parent. 
It's not about how we're parenting now. If you do the work, you hear your inner child, that is the best way to be the best parent because mm. you're not bringing your shit with you from before, that you've mm. healed these self-limiting beliefs. So it's not about parenting. And this often happens. And I do it too. Oh my God, if this is what happened to me, then I'm doing the same. Oh my God, I'm a bad parent. Shit. No, 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 no. You've just got to be like, do you know what? You've been who you needed to be up until this moment. We can't change that. It's done. It's in the past. There is absolutely zero point looking backwards. It's happened. And I say to Matt, did you know, do you apologize after you're angry? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I always say, Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And I'm gonna try. And I'm like, Yep, yeah. did your parents? Oh no, never. Yeah. So that's the difference. We are not our parents' generation. Our parents did what they did, some of them, because they either wouldn't or couldn't change. They wouldn't or couldn't do the work. It doesn't matter. We look at the negatives because that's where the healing comes. We look at the, the gaps in our childhood because that's where the healing comes. Healing come, doesn't come from looking at the happy childhood experiences. <laughs> you know, they're there. Yeah. But the yeah. negative bits is where we need to heal. When we've healed that, then we become someone who isn't triggered by our children's not finishing the food on their plate, by our children's whining, by our children's having a tantrum. We're not triggered by it because it's not taking us back to our childhood. So it really is the best thing that you can do to become a better parent, to look at your stuff. And just, I know it's hard, but put what you're doing to one side. And it's a process. And the best thing is, these neural pathways that I was talking about, they're flexible, they're pathways. They're, mm. I, I mean, I'm no scientist, but you know, they're, 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 they're connections between parts of the brain that can be broken down and rebuilt. So it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. When you heal your belief system, and you can do that, even though it was these, these pathways were built when you were three or four or five, you do the same with your children. So nothing is permanent. And that's, I hope, that the, the hopeful message, that nothing is permanent. I mean, when I think back to how I was as a, as a mum to my first child, oh, my God, poor thing. <laughs> what uh, do you mean? But <laughs> I was just, I was just parenting our parents. Mm. I used to slap her mm. because I was spanked as a child. I used to slap her. I never slap any of my kids now. But it was my frustration I couldn't deal with my overwhelm and the fact that I was doing it made me think hold on oh my god why am I doing this I don't want to be doing this why am I doing this and that got me to start thinking about why I was doing it which is again why motherhood is an initiation into our childhoods I was only doing it because that's what I've been taught my mum used to slap me all the time so I was doing it because again these neural pathways when we are overwhelmed or tired or stressed we can't use the part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is the part which is um, where we think about what we do, we're doing, where we're aware of what we're doing. We, we can't do that. It's much, much harder. We can, but it's much, much harder. We go back to much, much older systems, and those systems are the beliefs that we created when we were little. So we'll, we'll start acting like our parents because we're overwhelmed or stressed. Mm. With so, that example in particular, that's a really, really interesting example and one that I think a lot of people could relate to. 
how did you, so you recognized that you're smacking your child because you were as a child yourself, you don't want to be doing that. How do you then take it from recognizing that you don't want to be doing this to not doing it moving forward? So first of all, you realize this isn't who I want to be. So this is my belief system or like punishing children. Oh God, I've just done what I said I wouldn't do. That's interesting. Hmm. That must mean that somehow my childhood is still playing out in my adult life. So I need to go and look at my childhood. I need to explore it and I need to heal it. And we can't do it by ourselves. We can't because we're too in it. I couldn't do it by myself. Everyone has to have someone else that can go, oh, can you see what you're doing there? And joining the dots and going, oh, you're doing this because you didn't feel safe. Oh, no, no, I used to feel safe. Oh, oh, what do you mean by safe? Well, you didn't feel safe. You didn't feel comfortable expressing your emotions. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you, you have to have people pointing, someone else pointing something out to you and just supporting you on that journey. So that's what you do. You have to go back to your past. And I would say, which is again, why I don't use the word trauma, we're all on this scale. Every single one of us is on this scale because we know as mums that we're not perfect. We're not there for our children in exactly the way that they need every time they need us, especially if we have more than one child. It's impossible. Um, but don't take that as like, oh my God, we're damaging our children. So just on that tiniest side, we are damaging our children, inverted commas. We are not being perfect, but that's okay because that's their own healing journey. We can't be perfect. Yeah. What we can do is make sure we're not passing on our parents' stuff. That's the important thing. So children can be damaged, inverted commas. That's what they need to be. Once a healer that I used to see told me this story that he had a client who had perfect parents. And I was like, no, <laughs> how does that work? She's like, no, no, she was so loved, so cosseted, so safe that she went to see this healer after, guess what, childbirth. Childbirth was so traumatic for her because she had never had an experience ever, which I find slightly hard to believe, but anyway, apparently that was the case. She'd never had an experience which she found difficult in her entire life. So childbirth was a really big deal and she had to go and see someone. So I would say, you know, the damage, again, inverted commas, that we're inflicting our children, it's not damage, it's helping them to be resilient people. We're role modeling. Oh, mommy gets angry because you're mm. allowed to be angry. Anger's okay. So what we're doing can't remember where I started that thread. It was about our parents. Our parents, yeah, we're all on the sliding scale of having experienced some kind of lack because our parents couldn't be there for us. And that's okay. But it means that we do have to do, we do have to do the work. Yeah. That's that's our duty, I believe. It's our duty for our kids. Yeah. And we chose to have kids. I'm sure we choose to be the best parents we can be. And, and that's what we do. And we have to go back into the past to do that. I totally, I totally get that. And I totally agree with what you said about motherhood being a sort of initiation for not only your journey as a mother, but for yourself. And I think that I was actually talking to friends the other day about, you know, one of my 
fears. I feel like fear is the wrong word. I need my emotion wheel to, to come up with a, a slightly less intense word, but one, I'll use it for now. One of my fears is, you know, I have, I do have a lot of qualities that I don't think make me a particularly good mother. You know, this constant want for control and order, a, you know, a spike in my temper sometimes, you know, and I don't think that's conducive to the type of parent I want to be. Now, that's also a really tricky thing because I know that it's really hard to set expectations about a future family or a future way of parenting that, you know, if, if expectations and reality don't match can also be quite disheartening. But I know that there are just certain qualities that it's not, it's not even as a parent, it's just as a woman, as an individual, I don't want to snap when, I, when I'm stressed to anyone, let alone a child. I don't want to um, not be able to process things if they, if I don't feel in control, I want to have a slightly more easygoing attitude about stuff. So it's not just- to always be in control of themselves? Sorry? Do you want your kids to always be in control of themselves? No. Well, look what you've just said, you're gonna role model. Right? Snapping, kids snap. Kids need to know that they can snap and that that's how we learn to manage our emotions. Mm. If you never snap and you're never overwhelmed and you never cry and you never like, oh my God, kids, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Then what are they gonna learn? Wow, mommy is so sorted. That is true. And I totally and that's gonna get be that. scary for them. Like, how am I ever gonna emulate mommy? Because she's so sorted and so mm -hmm. calm. That's gonna be like an issue. Yeah. So we can't avoid giving our kids issues. Yeah. Yes. To be I just meant like I'm all for showing every ray of emotion. It's just maybe <laughs> I don't know, being the more chilled out parent <laughs> than the than the than the tense one. I don't know. But again, my levels of expectation about what I want to be and how I want to, you know, whatever is. But kids are the greatest teachers. Right. They teach you how to be out of control, how to be authentically you. Yeah. That I think, and the inner work. I think that's a really interesting point. Part of the discussion I was having the other day with my friends was that I think that any future children will be as much a teacher for me and my ability and, and how I can adapt and change and grow and develop as a, as a woman and as a mother, as much as I hope to be one for them. So yeah, Absolutely. I find and it. And that's your journey with that mm. child. Your partner will have a different dynamic with that child. It will be different to yours. Mm. And that's something that mothers sometimes struggle with. Like, oh, he's not doing it right. My partner does it and he just looks at his phone or whatever it is. And I'm like, mm. but you can't control the way that he relates to your child, it's different. They can have a different dynamic, as frustrating as it might be to a lot of mums, because we often want to, my friend and I joke that we want little Mozarts, you know, you want them to go to karate and to music and to da-da-da and their languages. And that we want these little geniuses, but, and men are often, I'm obviously massively generalizing, a bit more relaxed, but we can't control anyone else's dynamic and your dynamic with each child will be different, which is why often siblings remember very different parents. They had the same parents, yeah. they had the same childhood, but they will remember it very, very differently. So yeah. it's back to this damage. You might be damaging one, you might not be damaging the other with the same behavior. Yeah. It's up to that child and that child's pattern 
And that child's past life, if you believe in that or not, I do, that child's set of genes, that would affect how you interact with it. So all that we can do is make sure, I've said it before, that we heal our baggage so that we can be the most present, most authentic version of ourselves that we can be. And that doesn't mean not shouting or snapping sometimes. That's human. Yeah. We need to see that we're human. Yeah. And snapping gives us a chance to apologize, right? If you never need to apologize, they're never going to see you vulnerable. Mm. If, if you're never out of control, that's showing them your, not your mask, but your veneer of control. Mm. They also need you to be vulnerable. And that's why I started this work. I was like an armored vehicle. I was so together, so self-reliant, great grades, great job, everything perfect on the outside. And then kids came along and it's like, even childbirth, it's like, oh, I can do childbirth. It's like climbing up a mountain. You just get on with it. You just push on through. No, 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 that doesn't happen. So childbirth is the very first experience where you're like, oh, I'm not in control. And actually, if I, if I had been able to surrender to the experience, which is what children taught me, I would have had three very different labors. Mm -hmm. But that's what they teach you throughout the process, to, to surrender to them, to surrender to you, to surrender to your journey. We, we're never, we're not, like your journey and who you are is in flux. So whilst I look back at my first child and think, I wish I could have been who I am now, then I couldn't have been. Yeah. I, I couldn't have been. I am here now because of her, because of those experiences. That's the surrender. And yeah. that's a hard lesson to accept. Definitely. And it's such a powerful word as well. You know, it, it it's it's very, it's a very difficult thing to do for a lot of people. It's a very brave thing. It's a very vulnerable thing. It's really courageous. It's really fucking scary. But it's a really, really beautiful word, I think. And that's what your kids need, that. And that means being messy. Women are messy. We're not allowed to be in this stupid patriarchy, but we are. We're, we're coming more towards it. But we are messy. We are emotional. We are intuitive. We are chaotic. That is, that is feminine energy. And that's what our kids need to see more of. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. Um, Lavinia, I feel like <laughs> I barely scratched the surface with you and I could continue to talk to you for, for hours. Um, just a couple of maybe questions to, to kind of come to a close. If we've got some mums or soon to be parents listening to this that want to practice this or, or recognize, um, these unconscious, un, you know, self-limiting beliefs within themselves, how can they start to do that? And it, once they've identified things, how can they nurture them? How can they take care of them or, 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 or process them? So I think I mentioned at the beginning triggers. So triggers for anyone that doesn't know what that means. Trigger is something that happens in your life to you or around you that annoys you, makes you angry. The difference between something that makes you angry and a trigger is your reaction. If your reaction is disproportionate 
and you'll know that people are like oh how do I know you know you know when you're being disproportionately angry about something it feels different it feels out of control it feels like you're seeing red that's a disproportionate reaction that is your trigger and it could be to something very small but that thing that is making you feel disproportionately angry is showing you a place in you that is not yet whole, that is not integrated, that hasn't been processed. It's taking you back to a much younger version of you when you felt the same thing. So I gave you an example, I think earlier with me, when my children used to ignore me, oh my God, used to send me crazy. Like I would shout and you could say, oh, but it's okay to shout if they're ignoring you. Yeah, it would be. But I was, I was crazy angry. It was like, if you've got an unhealed wound um, and you've probably got a backlog of anger around it, your backlog will be up to your you know, throat. It's like you're waiting. This is mama rage, by the way. This is mama rage, a form of it. If you are waiting for your child to do something naughty, inverted commas, it's almost like, yes, they've done something naughty. Now I can shout. Mm. And and you just go for it. And it, it feels good. Obviously, you feel guilty afterwards. But at the time, it feels good because you are letting off some steam mm. from this huge backlog. And you know that it's disproportionate because you're out of control. And you're out of control because basically you're a toddler having a tantrum. That is it. When you feel like you're a toddler, that's the trigger. The triggers are what are telling you is out of balance. So if you want to start this work, look at your triggers. What is it that annoys you, that makes you angry disproportionately yeah. what it should? We all get annoyed by little things, but this is more than that. This is disproportionate anger. That is your trigger. That's where you start. Once you've identified what that thing is, when did I feel the same way mm. that I feel now as an adult? When did I feel this as a child? And that's where you probably need the help. It's really good to get support because you might be able to go, oh yeah, like with me, my, my parents didn't ignore me. They never gave me the blank treatment, but they didn't see me for who I was. So my kids ignoring me was like, hello, I'm here. Does no one fucking, can no one see that I'm here? Am I fucking invisible? And that was back to feeling invisible. So it's not always a very direct thing, but it's the same kind of thing. So then, then it's like, okay, you felt invisible as a child. And that's where you want to heal that. And that's where I would suggest you get support in that. But essentially, it's getting rid of the backlog of emotion consciously, two stages. So getting rid of the backlog. And secondly, healing or reparenting that little, that little girl. So reparenting her through that formative experience so that she feels safe. Yeah. And I was going to ask about the healing process. You know, obviously, how long is a piece of string healing and, and dealing with past trauma or for want of a better word? Or, Don't um, use the trauma word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Difficult how, experiences, I call it. Challenging experiences. Fine. How, how... How long typically does it take to heal these moments from our past in order to? So healing has its own timeline. We can't rush it. Yeah. But my programs, for example, I don't know how other people do it, but my programs are three months long. And I can guarantee you that you will feel a very, very different person after three months. However, I only, I only do three months. So I would say minimum three months, you will feel amazing. You feel very, very different. You're feeling control of your emotions. You'll feel resilient. You'll feel 
healed. So three months. However, a lot of my clients go on and do another three months. So six months. Um, you're never going to heal everything because we're only ever ready to heal the parts of us that are ready to heal. That's why you're experiencing those triggers. So the triggers that you have now in your life are pointing to the things that are now ready to heal. And once you start this healing process, you will see that more triggers come up. And often I always tell people, healing isn't linear, it's a spiral. So you might come around to the same thing and you're like, seriously? I thought I dealt with this. I've like been here. What? Why is this like, why is this coming up for me again? It is because you, you have healed it. You've gone around a whole loop and you're going, it's like an onion. You're going to a deeper layer, deeper layer. Yes. So the first level of healing is the hardest. It's absolutely the hardest. I call it like the emotional heavy lifting. There's a lot of grief, a lot of anger. You're really, because you're getting rid of that backlog. You're going back to somewhere that you haven't ever been to before because it was too painful. So that's the first layer. But the second, third, whatever layers, much, much easier. The healing process is much, much quicker because you've got this connection with your inner child, because you know how to soothe her. So healing is a lifetime process. Like, you know, Mother Teresa is probably near the end. Like, how long is it going to take us to get to that? <laughs> Years. Yeah. So healing process is the whole of your life yeah for sure. but to get emotional resilience to feel less volatile to feel calm to be able to experience joy again that three months because you can't experience joy makes sense right if your child is is scared mm. if your child doesn't feel safe she can't feel joy mm. so a lot of the clients i have find it very hard to be fun or to be fun with their children or to enjoy playing with them. They can't play. And I'm like, well, of course you can't. Your inner child is scared, is not safe. And when they do the work, suddenly they feel more spontaneous. There is room for joy. They feel more creative. Mm. It's back to what we said at the very beginning. Your magical child, when your child feels safe, your magical child can come out. And that's just the best. Because then you can be present with your children, you can play with them, and you can be the best parent. Again, going back to what we said at the beginning, you can be the best parent that you want to be. Yeah. Oh, that is uh, what a perfect place to to tie it all together, Lavinia. Um, and speaking of, you know, support, obviously that is a huge, huge part of this process. So I will absolutely link to your website and your Instagram and everything. Um, in the show notes so if anyone wants to get in touch with you they can yeah, and I'm here you know I'm really this is my duty this I feel this is my duty so you know you don't have to work with me I have lots of free posts on Instagram and I have a self-led online program which is very affordable um this is my work actually no it's not my work this is my passion this is my purpose but it's not my work you know this mm. is this is stuff that is channel through me so yeah I, I don't want to say oh I can only give you advice if you want to pay so and so they've got lots of free resources and if you've got any questions I'm really happy to answer them I'm very open to helping in whatever way I can thank you so much Lavinia that's so so kind of you um gosh I feel like I'm gonna go away do some reading from your posts and really have a think about certain triggers of my own um and reflect on that for a bit but uh 
thank you so much for talking to me. It's been so, so interesting. Absolute pleasure. It's It's been so nice. And I love that even though I talk about this with lots of people, everyone has their own really interesting questions. So mm. it's been fascinating seeing your, your insights on this process. Good. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. I'm not going to